I want you to experience the power of the Lord this morning. Um, I want every one of us to experience the presence of the Lord. That's, you were created to experience the Lord and to walk with the Lord. One of the reasons that he, Jesus died and was raised again for our justification is certainly to pay the penalty of our sin. Certainly, absolutely. But you know, one of the passions of God is to pour his presence out on you. I mean, even Joel said, he will my spirit upon all flesh. This is the heart of God. And in and, and just a bit here, uh, we're going to come around this altar. So everyone that will, we're just going to spend a little bit of time in worship. I've asked Stephanie to pick a couple songs that are appropriate. And we're going to come and worship. Now, we're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to lay hands on Glenda. And she's experienced some physical needs this week. But, you know, we need to have faith. To step out. You know, some people don't even have enough faith to even come to a front and to have somebody lay hands on them. That's actually a step of faith to do that. And, and many times just by moving out from where we are, like it stirs our faith up. And I want your faith to be stirred today. I want you to experience the presence of the Lord this morning. We're going to ask God to do something more in our lives, something better and greater than we've ever known before. And these young people that are here today, I would say probably one of the top needs in their lives is to experience the power and the presence of God. In this world, with all that they're dealing with, the Spirit of God can keep them, can he? He can keep them and keep them in the purposes of God. So this morning, I want to bring a message that is on my heart today, and I always want to bring something fresh. I literally have stacks and boxes of sermons that I could go back and grab one. There's nothing wrong with that if the Lord tells us to do that. But I want to have fresh bread. Amen. I want fresh manna. And we've tried to gather some fresh manna with God's mercy and God's grace today. And there's one verse of scripture. Um, and, you know, it's, it was said of the British pastor, Lloyd Martin Jones, you know, he preached like six years, six or eight years, I forget which it was, in the book of Ephesians. Can you imagine? It's been that long. Well, he's a lot smarter than most people. I mean, he was a medical trained doctor. He was a, he was a doctor. Of the, he was just a, a brilliant guy. But one of the things they would say that he would do is he could take a verse and pull the entire Bible through one verse. And it's almost like I feel like that's what I'm going to do this morning with this wonderful verse. I want to ask you to stand with me as I just, we're going to read this verse together. Would you put this verse up and we're going to stand and read this together. It's one verse of scripture and we're going to pray and then I'll have you be reseated for the next two hours. <laughs> this is a powerful verse. Today I want to talk about God's power. I want to talk about the power of our God. We, talk, we sang a song today about being safe. I'm going to tell you we're safe in his hands. More than just Allstate. We're in the hands of the awesome God today. Somebody shout amen. amen. Here's what the word of God. We stand to honor this, this word today. Would you read it with me? Here's what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, since it's a very short verse, I want to read it again. Would you read with me beginning? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, would you just lift your hands as we receive? Father, today, I ask you to anoint this time of teaching and preaching. I ask you to anoint your servant. I'm a needy pastor. I need the anointing. Put your words in my heart, in my mind, and in my mouth. Let me speak as your oracle today. And I ask that you would bless your people today. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen. I want you to be seated. Let's, the title of the message today is this, The Power of His Might. The Power of His Might. And I really, I really have one objective today, one main theme. And that, that one thing is I want to just exalt the Lord before your eyes today. I want to exalt my Lord. I want to exalt the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to exalt the great and awesome God that we serve. Scripture says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's a great and an awesome God. And when you leave this place and you walk out those doors, when we're done in this service today, when God dismisses us, I want you to have a greater faith and a greater confidence in the Lord that you know that he can handle whatever you're dealing with today. He's got it. He can handle it. He has the power. You just need to offer the trust. And I want you to have confidence in your God today. Now in this verse, it has the word Lord, L-O-R-D. And there's different words in scripture, Lord. Sometimes they're uppercase, which is Old Testament Yahweh. But here's the simple word, uh, kurios. And what it means is we translate it Lord. And sometimes, it's depending on context, of course, sometimes it's used as just a, a title of, you know, like, yes, sir. Sometimes it's used as a title of superiority, someone greater than you. But in this verse, it says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, Lord. Lord. That's curious. And, and here, we're not just talking about, yes, sir. Here, we're not just talking about some boss or someone that's superior in authority to you. We are talking about the living Christ. Come on, we're talking about the living Christ that died, was buried, and rose again. And he, we're talking about the supreme one today. We're talking about the ruler of all the rulers and the king of all the kings and the Lord of all the Lord. Let's just be clear today who we're talking about. We're talking about his power. Come on, none like him. None above him. He's been given what the name above every name. If Philippians says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him. And given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. He is the one I'm talking about today. His power. We're going to talk about his power today. Now we'll look at this little verse. I'm going to pull the Bible through it. So I pray that I, the Lord will help me to not confuse you and bring all of this together the way that he brought it to me. But this text, of course, is in the context of a battle, a spiritual battle. After this, it talks about the engagement of the battle, that it's principalities and powers, and we're to be panoplied and put on the whole armor of God. But, but it's, it's clear from this passage and all that surrounds it, which we won't get to, that this is a spiritual struggle that we're in. This is a battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle, but it's a spiritual battle. And it's very clear from Paul's admonition to be strong that without the power of God, we can't be who God wants us to be. We can't do what God wants us to do. We can't win like he wants us to win. We can't triumph like he wants us to triumph. We must have the power of God. And we're going to look at these. We're going to look at three things about the power of our God today. First of all, we're going to look at the command. This is how God brought it to me. This is how, this is how when I look at scriptures, I don't know if it's a preacher thing, but this, I, I think in alliterated thought sometimes, many times. We're going to talk about this command because it is, is, it is a command and an admonition from the Lord. Then I'm going to look at the covenant that makes it all possible. And then we're going to look, as we, as we hopefully land this in a bit, 
I'm just going to excite us with God's help of the. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and jump to that part. We're going to talk about the characteristics of his power. What is his power like? What does the Bible say about the power of our God? So firstly, we have this command, this admonition from Paul. The command, it's the command, first of all, to put on strength. It's really what, kind of what Jesus said in a sense. He says, uh, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued, the King James, until you be clothed with power. you got to put on this strength. Now, it's, it's very important that we understand the command. Be strong. Now, here's the thing about that command. That's not a command that I can, you know, like, okay, let's, you know, you hear all these self-help gurus today. And, and some of them are very persuasive in their, in their rhetoric. Some of them are very persuasive. And they, you know, they get you all charged up. But then you realize that all these aspirations, all these dreams you have, that you're just a weak, fallible human being and you can't do three-fourths of it. But here it says, be strong. It's a command to be strong. And it's predicated and it indicates our vital need today. Paul's command brings us to a point of need. And it brings us to a realization of this. Now, now listen, I know this is not how the world talks. The, the world has that self-help talk. The world has that, that fleshly, prideful, we can do it talk, but they leave God out. Do you hear that? They leave God out of the plan. They, they, they look at their own strength, own power, own ability. And in their pride, they're blinded to the fact they can't do what God wants them to do without God. And so Paul gives us this command. And the command is to put on strength. And the command is to be strong. And the command is a realization that human strength is not enough for this battle. Now you've got to hear that today. Human strength is not enough for the battle. Zechariah knew this. You know this verse. It used to be on the front of our old uh, doctrinal, our own uh, magazine. It's, the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might. That's the might of men. Not by the power. Not by power. That's the power of armies. But notice, by my spirit, says the Lord. So Zechariah is saying, it's not, flesh, it's not men that can do this. It's not even, even armies that can do this. But there's a great God that's, that says it's by my spirit. And by that, by the way, that's the context is in the building, rebuilding of the temple. That they said grace, grace to it. I said grace, grace to it. Come on, just shout grace, grace to this building up here. God's going to do it by his grace. Paul said this about the battle. He said, though I walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But they're mighty, mighty in God. They're mighty in God. There's God's power. They're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. How are we going to do what God's called us to do? How are we going to accomplish the will of God? How are we going to do what the Lord wants us to do? Because of the mighty weapons of God. Jeremiah pronounced a curse. Here's what he said in Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord cursed do you want to be cursed not me i don't want no curses cursed is the man who trusts in men who makes flesh his strength whose heart 
departs from the Lord. Later on in verse 7, I think it says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So this command from Paul says, be strong. This command tells us that we're not enough in our humanness. But the command, we answer this question, ask this question. Where is the power? Where does it come from? Is it denominational power? Is it, where's the power? And the Bible is very clear where the power is. Where God's power, where God's supernatural strength abides. Where there's a reservoir of unlimited almightiness of God. And Acts 1 and 8 tells us, does it not? But you shall receive power. Say that with me. You shall receive power. Do you know you can receive this power from God? And here it is. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now I can tell you this power will never let you down. You say, how do you know this power works? Do you want to know how I know this power works? Can you guess how I know this power works? I mean, there's probably a thousand ways. But can you, can you guess how did I know this power works? Look to your left. Look to your right. Look around. Why are we even here today? How did we even get here today? Are there any believers in Jesus Christ today? Are there, is there anyone in this room that says, Jesus is my Savior. My sins are washed away. Jason testified he's not the man he used to be. How did all that take place? Because this verse said something happened in Jerusalem. And it went from Jerusalem and it went to Judea and it went to Samaria. And now it came to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we wanted to go back out of this place around the world. We're here today as the living church. This power works. Paul said in Galatians in 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Oh, blessed Jesus. Blessed Lord. He took my curse. He took my punishment. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. We get in. We're getting in on it. Notice what it is. That, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Be strong. Lord, I don't have enough strength. I'm in the furnace. I can't quench a match. How can I quench a fiery furnace? I don't have any power on my own. I don't. Paul said there's nothing good in the flesh. And God says, but I have the power. And I want to give you the power. Because what I command, I enable. See, the power of God flows in the pathway of his will. It's not us just saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. If you want the power of God, get in the pathway of his purposes. Get in the pathway of his will. You start doing what God told you to do. His anointing and his spirit will come upon you. Because what God commands, he enables. His grace will enable you. Also, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The strength of God flows 
in the pathway of his purpose, whether it's a prison cell, whether it's in a palace, whether it's a basting, abounding, whatever it is, whether it's preaching or laying hands, if we're getting in the pathway of his will, his command to be strong is not in us. But his command to be strong causes us to run to him. It causes us to fall to him. It causes us all to come to an altar and say, Lord, I want to be panoplied in this power and this gifts. How's the power experienced? Now, there's probably maybe many, many more ways than this. I want to suggest several here, and I have a couple, uh, couple readings I want to do. But how do I experience the power of God? First of all, I think it's important, and we've already alluded to this, and that is we have to admit, we have to acknowledge our weakness because the power of God is manifest not in strength but in weakness. Hear this. This is a major biblical principle, a major truth of how God operates, that the power of God is manifest in the midst of our weakness. Oh, I feel so weak. Oh, I don't feel like I can do this. Oh, these mountains are bigger than I am. Oh, this challenge is greater than I am. Wonderful. You are in a, a candidate for the amazing power of God to be demonstrated. Listen, you may be standing before walls of Jericho. You may be standing before a, 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 a pilot's hall or some kind of threat before you. You may feel weak and insufficient, but you're not. You are strong in your God today. Paul in his weakest moment. See what Paul bragged on was weakness. Corinthians he said. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect. Perfect in weakness. Therefore most gladly. I would rather boast in my infirmities. That the power of Christ. May rest upon me. Most anyone God has ever called. Felt insufficient and felt unqualified even Moses said God I can't even speak well and God said you're the one I want because I will share my glory with no one it's in weakness it's in that place of humility and acknowledging where does God's power reside where does God's presence reside I've quoted this verse so many times I want to quote it again I want to read it again it's one of my favorite verses. It's Isaiah 57, 15. Pick it up. See where God dwells. Look at this. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. And you get, you, if you don't read the rest of the verse, just that first part, you're going, a high and a holy place. The God of God, the God of heaven, our Lord Jesus, the heaven of heavens can't feel him. That Hubble telescope looks the farther it looks out there. It, it, it will never reach God because he's beyond that. And you read that verse and half of that verse, you say, God is so great, I can never experience him. But this is what God has chosen. Look at this. I dwell in a high and a holy place with him or her, ladies. Come on, ladies. Who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite was the contrite ones, the high God, the glorious God, the majestic God dwells on high, but the high place is the low place. The lower you go, the more of God you get. You want to experience the power of God? Then do what Peter said. He says, be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace. 
He gives us power. He gives us help to the humble. We have to admit our weakness. We have to admit, we have to acknowledge that his power is manifest in our weakest point. Secondly, I would say this. Consecration. Everyone say consecration. Consecration to God by fresh confession and fresh repentance. There's an Old Testament illustration of a man by the name of Samson. Samson is a man who was tremendously anointed by the power of God. He was a judge. He was a deliverer of Israel. He would have these victories for Israel. He would do amazing things. He would would kill 800 men with the jawbone of a donkey. He could take the gates and take them off of a city and carry them up a hill and place them on the hill. He could do amazing things. But what was the secret of the power? Now, I think think that, that we think that we think, and, and, and I don't know, I wasn't there. Maybe we'll get to heaven and find this out. But I think that we think that Samson looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or Mr. Universe. You know, big muscle guy. I'm not so sure that he didn't look like any other man. I'm not so sure that if you would have looked at him... You would have just thought, well, there's nothing special about that guy. I mean, he's 180 pounds and, you know, not a big, not a big guy. Maybe not a tall guy. Maybe, maybe there was nothing in the natural that would, would indicate that he had any strength. But the strength was the power of God. The strength was when God's power would come upon him to do supernatural things. But the secret of the power, the key to the power, was his Nazarite vow. It was, and I won't go into the Nazarite vow, but it was his vow of consecration. And and the symbol of his consecration to God was his long hair. Now, I'm not a fan of long hair. I don't have a soapbox. I just don't like long hair on guys. I'm sorry. If you have long hair, you are my friend. It's not something I like. But this guy had long hair. But you know what happened to him? He lost the power. Remember the story? Lost the power. When did he lose his power? The what the scripture says, Judges 16, 17. Let me read a little reading here. It says, and he told her, that's Delilah, all of his heart. He said, no razors ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. And I shall become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he told her all of his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines. Come up at once. He has told me all of his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Notice this. When they, when they shaved the locks of his hair. Now, it wasn't just that. That was a symbol of its consecration. That was a symbol of his separation to God. When it was shorn, his strength left him. Do you know when we, listen to me, when we lose our consecration, we lose the power. 
Now notice this. Then they begin to torment him. His strength left him. Then the Philistines, the, then, uh, then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free before he had shaken the ropes off and he had overcome everything. But listen, when he lost his vow to God, when he lost the symbol of his consecration, it says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I don't know that there's any sadder words that you could read anywhere in Scripture than the Lord had departed from him. In other words, he lost his consecration. The lost consecration means that he lost his power. Now I want to do a little reading. You say, what have you been doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to read a little quote now. It's a pretty lengthy quote. In fact, I have two of them. Uh, one now and one a little later. But I, I want to, uh, there's a, a Baptist preacher named R.A. Torrey. In his book, here's what he said about this story. And I quote now. He says, his uncut hair was the sign of his Nazarite vow by which he separated himself to the Lord, unto the Lord. The shearer of the hair the shearing of the hair was the surrender of his separation. His separation given up, he was shorn of his power. It is at this same point that many a man today has been shorn of power. In other words, it's at this very like point that men and women lose the power of God. It says, there was, a day, there was a day when he separated himself to God. He turned, he turned his back utterly upon worldliness and ambition, its spirit and its purpose. He set himself, talking about people, he set himself apart to be holy unto God, to be his, for God to take him and to use him and to do with him as he would. God was honored in his separation he has anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. He has been used by God, but Delilah has come upon him. The world has captured his heart. Now he's talking about us. The, the Delilahs of the world has, have captured many men and women's heart. The voice of the world has shown, shown our uh, separation. He no, he no longer is a man of separated and wholly consecrated to the Lord. And the Lord leaves him. Are there not such people among us who read this, Mr. Toy says, men and women that the Lord once used, that he once, they once used to know him? You may still be outwardly a Christian in work, but there is no old-time liberty. There is no old-time power. And this is the reason you have been untrue to your separation, to your consecration to God. You are listening to the Delilahs, to the world, to the allurements of the world. Would you get the old time power back again? There is but one thing to do. Let your hair grow again as Samson did. Renew your consecration to God, end quotes. And that's what happened to Samson. Here's what the word says. And this is Judges 16, 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaven. So it happened, verse 25. When their hearts were merry, speaking of the Philistines, they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison. 
And he performed for them, and they stationed him between two pillars. And Samson said to the lad who held, it by, held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. So now the temple was full of men and women. The lords of the Philistine were there. About 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O oh Lord God, Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O oh God, that I, may, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two pillars which support the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on the right and the other on the left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And so he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell, and the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead who were killed in his death were more that had, he had killed in his life. When did the power return? When the Nazarite vow came back? When he began to consecrate his heart to God? When he began to draw near to God again? When he began to repent and say, God, I draw near to you, the hair began to grow again. And God heard his prayer. And the power of God moved. And the enemy was defeated. There must be admission. There must be confession. There must be the renewing of our consecration. Thirdly, I would say this. Are you ready? All right. Third way we can experience God's power and God's presence it's through worship. Worship is so vital. I was thinking as I was actually sitting here this morning in worship and during prayer time, and I was thinking about how important our worship is and how during the lockdown, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a real needy person. I'm, not, I'm just not the personality that I got to have somebody hold my hand all the time and, oh, I need everybody all the time and, oh, all this and that. I actually like being alone. <laughs> It's terrible. I'm, something wrong with me. I don't know. I like being alone. I can, I'm very satisfied being alone at times. But I can tell you this. During COVID, during lockdown, I can't tell you how much I missed our worship. I can't tell you how much I missed this, the talk and the fellowship and, and, and even the handshakes and the, and the neck hugs and the, and the welcoming and the prayers together and the singing together. It's so vital. And do you realize it's medically proven? They've done studies of how mental health went down in the nation and how important it is for people to get together and, and, and especially to come together in the anointing, to come together in the presence of Jesus, to experience the life of God and the word of God and the power of God. It's so vital. It's so important. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and I will enter his courts with praise. I want you to, I'm going to do another little reading here. There's a book by a Baptist minister. I guess I'm picking on the Baptist there, using the Baptist. Elmer Towns wrote a book on fasting and prayer. And fast, I think it's called Fasting for Breakthrough. Fasting for Breakthrough. I think it's been a couple of different titles, but I, the one title was Fasting for Breakthrough. Elmer Towns was one of the founders of Liberty University, the largest nonprofit at university in the nation. And in this book, here's what he says about worship. And it, as I read this, it struck me. He said this, he said, he said I, can, I can make a sanctuary out of a motel room. Sometimes I travel to speak and I, I get to the motel late. The next morning when I'm tired, when I pray and I'm not wide awake, my prayers seem like they're bouncing off the wall and they don't go any higher than the ceiling. You ever felt that? We all felt that. 
He says, then in that moment of frustration, I remember, I remember, and I quote, I remember the supernatural power of worship. Jesus told us the Father is asking and seeking for worshipers. And he says, that means God goes to places where people are worshiping him in order to receive their worship. And then he quotes here, in in the movie Field of Dreams, the Iowa farmer Ray Kinsella says the phrase, if you build it, he will come. When we apply this insight to seeking God's intimacy, if we worship the Father, he will come to receive it. Therefore, whenever I am praying and feel like I'm not getting through to God, I begin I begin worshiping him with his many names. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Roah, Jehovah, and all these, he says, and then he says, he says, and he is always, and then I begin to feel his presence. He is always there, but worship changes me. It equips me to experience God's presence. I call, uh, I call this God's atmospheric presence. I like that. God's atmospheric presence. Just as I can feel moisture in the air when it's raining, so I can feel God's presence with me when I'm praying and I'm worshiping. Sometimes we can walk into a church service and we feel the presence of God among the people in stark contrast to other times when you've been in services and you felt very, very stale. And end quote there. What's he saying is when, when I begin to worship God, when I begin to declare the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, I worship you. Jehovah Shammah, our Lord Jesus, I worship you. All of a sudden we can begin to enter the presence and begin to experience and feel the power of God. Worship is so, so vital. And I would add one more. I would add one more to this. And there's 20 maybe. But I would add this. We experience by God, we experience the power of God by faith. Everybody say faith. Faith releases God's power. Here's what our Savior said. This is the story of when Jesus came off the mountain with his three disciples. The, the bottom, the nine disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the boy. And then they asked, why can't we cast him out, etc. And here's what it says. And Jesus rebuked the demon And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Then the disciples came privately and said, why could we not cast the demon out? I think we're going to do more exercising of demons as the days go forward. Get ready. You need to get ready. People have literally opened themselves up to demon spirits. Demon activity is not in behind closed doors any longer. It's not, it's not a rare thing. We see it on the major networks. If you're perceptive and know God and know his word and know his power and, and know what the enemy does, you see demon activity right, right there. You see it every day. But we have the power. God has the power through us. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now understand this. When we are moving in the will of God, when God tells us to do something, 
and we say, yes, Lord, I will obey you in faith, and you, you obey God, I'm telling you, faith releases the power of God. The power of God is released in the pathway of his will and the path, pathway of obedient faith. Think about this. God said, now listen, you, you got, let's, let me qualify this. It's in the will of God. Everyone say, in the will of God. It's not just me coming up with some silly idea and then saying, God, do this. No, you're on your own. But when God tells you to do something, faith releases the power of God. For instance, you could march around this building a thousand years. It, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you, a piece of sand wouldn't fall off. But God told Joshua, I want you to go down to Jericho. You say, what do we do? We take up, no, no, don't do that, Joshua. I want you to go. You march around one day for, for seven days or six days, and on the seventh day, seven times around. And when you get that seventh time around, here's what I want you to do. I want, you, I want everybody to shout, but before that, don't say anything. How many of you know the words we speak can mess everything up? Forty years before, they messed it all up. They came back, we can't do it. Giants are too big, so, you know, the wall's too high. Just be quiet. Sometimes it's just be quiet, amen? For all of us, me too. And... I don't want you to do it, but when you march around six times, six days, seven times, seven times around, seven times around, don't say it. But then all of a sudden, I want there to become such a great, such a hearty shout, and I want to blow the ram's horn, and I'm going to do the miracle. Now, you've got a choice when God tells you something like that. A lot of people in the natural have cheated themselves out. Well, you know, I know it says lay hands on the sick. Some people don't have enough faith to go from there to right here, literally. They just lit, well, I don't know, does it work? And they just, I forget about all that. Just do what God says. And friend, when they marched around those walls, and on that 13th time around, they shouted. They blew the ram's horn. Walls fell. I was in Jericho. I've been to Jericho. I've stood right there in Jericho. It's the ugliest little place you ever saw. That's the ugliest little place. Of all of Israel, that's the ugliest little place you ever saw in your life. It's like, I mean, if you just got a pile of rocks and just piled them up. That's what Jericho looks like. It's an ugly little place and a mean little place. PLO, PLO uh, controls Jericho now. Palestinian, and, and it's, they're mean. They're flipping us off, and it's nasty. And uh, walls fell. When did it fall? When they just said, yes, sir, Lord. And they just began to march. And they marched, and they marched. And how many know your flesh, your carnality will try to cheat you out of things? Well, you know, did I, did I really hear God? Did I really, is this really going to work? I mean, this, people probably think we're stupid. Those Canaanites in Jericho probably think we're a bunch of goofballs. Look at them. Look at them. They thought we were going to attack. And what are they doing? They're just, they're getting their exercise. You know, they're doing their Zimba or whatever it is. You know, they're marching around. You know, they're doing their aerobics, whatever it is. But I can tell you this. Listen to me, and I'm not being unkind, but I'm telling you, I don't care what the world thinks. They may think we're a fool. I am a fool. I'm a fool for Christ. I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I believe he was buried, rose on the third day for our justification. You believe that man 2,000 years ago can change your life today, not only my life today, my life for eternity. He is the very son of God. I believe. I believe it, and I embrace it by faith. It is my hope today. Jesus is my hope. But when they stepped out in faith, the walls came down. Walls came. Same thing happened right before that when they crossed Jordan. God, he said, how, how are we going to get across this Jordan? Flood stage. 
And now because of irrigation, everything, you know, it's not as wide. But in that day, it would get a mile wide in some places, scholars tell us. How are we going to get across this? And the Lord told him to cross at flood time. God tells us to do things to build buildings during COVID. He does it because he wants the glory. He wants to show us his power. He wants to demonstrate his character in the world, that he is a faithful God. And the scripture says, how are we going to do this? It says, I want you to get the priest. Just get him to carry the ark. And I love the verse. I love what the scripture says. It says, uh, well, it says somewhere. Joshua 5, 15, 16. It says, when the priests put their feet in that Jordan. I know God does things in a big way. You would think the Lord just kind of scooted about 100 yards out of the way. No, the, he scooted like 20 miles. You read that, it's like he just pushed it way back like 20 miles upstream. He wanted them all to go across quickly. I mean, there's two, three million people. He wanted to get them all across very quickly. He, but what did it happen? You had to take the first step. When the, when, if you'll take the first step, the power of God will be, believe, be released for your need. Hallelujah. Be strong. I don't have any strength in myself. But his command to be strong comes with his power. We can enter his presence. We can receive the spirit of God. We can know him. We can experience his amazing power through worship today. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Well, I think we need to pray. Oh, I'll get to this rest of this before Jesus comes, hopefully. I, I excited you about the characteristics. I can't even get to it. I mean, let's, I mean, you want to stay another 30 minutes, an hour? Come on. One pastor said, the mind can only handle what the seat can endure. Oh, how I want you to experience his love today. I want you to be full of his presence today. All depression has to leave. All demonic activity is broken in Jesus' name. By the power of the blood, by the finger of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, all sickness can be healed. All discouragement can be broken off. Some of you may not can sleep at night. He can, his power can so rest upon you that you can have perfect peace. But you've got to go after it. You've got to go after it. Remember the axe head that swam? That axe head was borrowed. You don't own the power of God. It's borrowed. God's loaning it to us. <laughs> He's loaning his presence to us. As long as we abide in him. But that man, the axe head swam, which was odd, which was not against nature, against gravity. But then he said, reach out and take it. He didn't fly out of the water on the, on the axe handle. He said, reach in. And, and he reached down and he took it. We have, to, we have to pursue God by faith. We have to worship him. We have to believe. And we take a step of obedience. And as we do, the Lord will meet us. He will fill our church with glory. And his presence 